Open your Bibles to John chapter 10, if you would. I believe God is going to move in the altar tonight. I want to do some praying tonight for some people. And as you're getting your Bibles open, I need to take advantage of a, uh, something going on in the news. Just uh, not preaching anything in times tonight, but just another sign of just the craziness. How many heard about the, uh, the award that was given? How many, first of all, let me ask you this. How many are young, old enough to remember Bruce Jenner? Remember Bruce Jenner, the Olympic guy who won all those things in the 70s or 80s, I think maybe 80s, late 70s. He's on the Wheaties box, amazing athlete. And so now he believes he's a woman. And so he has changed his name. He has changed his appearance. He's come out on TV and now he's Caitlyn Jenner. Well, that's sad enough in itself. But the crazy sad thing is that they have these ESPY awards every year that are for ESPN for sports. And there's an uh, award called the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. And he is going to win that award for being courageous enough to be a woman. Isn't that sad? And who he's beating out, and this is a big, huge uh, thing going on. Uh, they say that there weren't any nominees, but how many know that when somebody wins an award, there has to be a criteria of people Amen. that they were looking at to give it to? Amen. They didn't just go, oh, let's give it to this person. They had some people that they thought, and the people that they passed over were many. One of them was that girl that just passed away this year that had a brain tumor that was a freshman in college, played basketball. Remember that? I think her name was, uh, anybody remember it? Lauren Hill. Thank you. That, that she had the major see the thing was courageous in sports and uh, they gave it to go in a whole another level whole another direction and somebody else was this guy named Noah Crawford who many might have seen on TV doing other things uh, he's been on TV doing many things but he lost an arm and a leg in Iraq in an explosion and then got into uh, uh, all kinds of marathons and did all kinds of things uh, with one arm and one leg, and he and, and, and uh, this lady lost to Caitlyn Jenner. So it's just another sign, church, that, that every, everything, in, like Isaiah 5 says, everything that's good is called bad, and everything bad is called good. It's just sad. Amen. It's sad that he's lost anyways, but then that you encourage him and reward him and award him for being that way. And then last year, the winner, I, I just happened to notice this, last year's award winner was Michael Sam, who came out and said he was, he was homosexual as a football player. And so what they do is, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm just touching this because it's important to understand what the media does. They, they exploit and they uh, pump up and they give glory to things that are of the devil. Because uh, Tim Tebow gets nothing but beat down for his faith, and, he, and he, uh, they, he's a Christian. But this guy, Michael Sam, had, didn't even make it on a team. He got cut everywhere he went. And, and, and it's not, not that great of a football player, but because he came out and said he was homosexual, he's a superstar. Wow. Wow. I mean, amen? So it's just, it's just something I had to throw out there that has absolutely nothing to do with the message. But if I don't deal with it today, it'll be... Late news by Sunday, amen? So pray for our nation, pray for our country, pray for our people, pray for those that are really doing something worthy of acknowledgement, amen? I want to talk out of John chapter 10 tonight, and I want to talk about healing. 
Amen. How many believe in healing tonight? How many believe Jesus still heals? I'm not going to ask who needs a healing because we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to read out of John chapter 10. How many know that if there's a healer, there has to be somebody who gets a sick? Okay? Sickness does not come from God. Sickness comes from the fallen state and disease and, and things that we don't want in our lives are there. And there is an opposition. We're not reading this tonight to give him glory. We're reading it to help us to understand that there's an obstacle to healing. There is an opposition to healing. Just as much as God wants you to be healed, and tonight that healing could be physical. That healing could be in your marriage. That healing could be in your, your mind. That healing could be uh, in many different things. So it's not just physical. I know that many times we think that, and physical healing is a huge part of it. But Jesus did much more than just heal physically. And uh, I want you to know tonight that if, if, as much as God wants to heal us, the, the devil wants us to stay sick. He wants us to stay down. As much as God wants us to rise up, the devil wants to hold us down. And John 10.10 says this in, in very clear letters. It says, the thief does not come to do anything else except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you to anoint the next few minutes on this Wednesday night. Lord, this is not just a Bible study. Father, we're having church. We're having a service. We're giving glory to your name tonight. We're lifting you up, Lord. This is not just a get-by service, Father. This is a midweek service where we believe that you heal and save and deliver and set free tonight, God. That you speak in a powerful way tonight. And that nobody in this place, in the name of Jesus is going to leave the way they came into this place tonight, Father. And I thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So Jesus says that there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, I love, this, I love the but. He says, but I, Jesus, have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So if God wants us to have abundant life, that means he wants us healthy. That means he wants us provided for. That means he wants us happy. Amen. We talked Sunday morning that he doesn't want us to be alone. Amen. Amen. He wants us to be, he wants us to know he's around in our lives. And I want to read some verses tonight and then I want to, I want to put uh, uh, action to our faith tonight and pray for some healing. Amen. And I want to just go over in the same chapter of 10, if you would, just a few verses over. And I'm going to read quite a few scriptures here because I want you to see something tonight. And we'll go in verse 19. Say amen if you're there. Just in that same chapter. It says, Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Before we continue reading, just so you understand, these people were so crazy and so angry at Jesus that they said that the miracles, they weren't even denying the miracles he was doing. They just, think about this. How stupid is it to say that the devil, how much, how stupid is it to, to believe that the devil would heal more than God? Isn't that crazy? They said he's healing by the power of Beelzebub. This, this, these miracles are coming from Satan. I've never seen Satan heal anybody. 
Now, he can give a false power, but Satan cannot heal. For them to say that he's healing in the power of Satan is crazy. Right? Crazy, crazy, crazy. So they say he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, verse 21, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. And it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you and do, you do not believe. I mean, there's some people like that. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. How many sheep do I have in here tonight? And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. How many want to be working tonight with the father and the son? Amen. How many know that makes a good team? Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. And what's funny is they said again. This wasn't the first time they had tried to kill Jesus. And Jesus answered, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? Sometimes you can't win. Amen. He's healing people and they want to stone him. If he didn't heal the people, they'd want to stone him. What do you want to stone me for, he says. And the Jews answered, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you... Being a man, make yourself God. Now, right before I read on, this is very interesting because this is the point where we realize how powerful our salvation is. They're pointing out that this is a man stating that he is God, and they're looking at it in a negative way. We now, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, look at he, that he was a man and thank God for it. Did y'all catch that? I hope you caught what I just said. They're looking at it saying he's saying he's a man and saying he's God and they're mad about it. But now we can look at the Bible and see that he was a man and he was a man, but he was God in a man's body. And if he wouldn't have been a God in a man's body, we wouldn't have salvation tonight. We wouldn't have healing tonight. We wouldn't have deliverance tonight. We have all those things because he came down and became a man. It's the most amazing thing about our salvation is that he is a man. Okay? That he was God in a fleshly body. It's so powerful. What other God ever has even tried to say that they were God in a man's body? Come on. They just say they're a God. 
And they say they're a, a, a deity or they say they're a power. But God said, I come down and I don't give, get my life taken from me. He said, I lay my life down. I lay my life down. I give my life up. I am a man, yes, as you say I am. But I am God in this fleshly body. And if I don't come be in this fleshly body, you have no hope. So the very thing that was their hope, they want a stone. But Jesus is so awesome in his wisdom. Look what he says in verse 34. He quotes the scriptures. He knows the Jewish people, just like today, know the Old Testament. So he quotes the Old Testament to them and says, Is it not written in your law? And this comes out of the book of Psalms. I said, you are gods. If he called them gods... To whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. And watch this verse 37. I want you to underline this or put your highlighter on it. This is the key to to the message. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe in me. Let me read that again. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe in me. But if I do, although you do not believe in me, the work, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And they thought, sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. So what Jesus is basically saying is if you don't believe in me, that's fine. But you cannot deny the works that I do. And if I do works and I do miracles and I do signs and I do wonders, then believe in those signs and those wonders. And church, this is what we have to contend for in our lives is miracles. Signs and wonders. Healings. Breakthrough. Miracles. Things that are supernatural. Amen? How many know a lot of times we try to get people saved and erroneously, not on purpose, but we try to get people saved through our intellect. And we try to quote them scriptures and that's okay. And we try to to, uh, trick them into being saved. And we try to do all kinds of things, but the real way to get somebody saved is let them see the power of a living God. And the way the power of the living God is manifested is through a situation that only God can do. If you do what you can do, and you talk in your words, even if they sound good, you can write the best speech of your life, and you would not get anybody saved. But you can believe tonight in the power of God and believe for something supernatural that's out of your hands and somebody can get saved tonight because of the demonstration of the power of God. Amen. Amen. The demonstration. He says, don't believe in me or my words. Believe in what I do. I'm going to show you something, he says, that you won't be able to deny. Just just for time, I'm going to read some verses. Write them down. Don't try to get to them with me. Actually, I do want you to see one more, and then I'm going to read a few uh, in in Matthew and and Luke. But go to Acts chapter 12 real quick. Sorry, Acts chapter 10. I want to show you one more thing here. 
Because I want you to understand and know and believe tonight that healing is our privilege. Healing is God's will. Healing is something He wants us to have. And if you doubt that, it's not God that's putting the doubt in you. Amen. Amen? It's the devil. It's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God wants to heal because He wants, for one, He wants us to be in a life more abundantly. And for two, He wants to get glory. He doesn't get glory. God doesn't get glory when you're sick. I don't care how you try to twist it around. He can, he can get glory through you and your attitude, but he's not going to get glory because of the sickness. And God does use all kinds of different situations, but his will is that you'd be healed. And I'm going to show you that in just a second in the Bible. I'm going to show you that. But I want you to see in Acts chapter 10, Peter's given this awesome uh, message and he's preaching to the house of Cornelius. And he says these words. At verse 37, that word you know, which was proclaimed through Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? Okay, I'm going to read this again because I want you to understand that Jesus, if we say that we are Christians, and that word is very loosely used too much and and it sometimes it's better to say follower or disciple or believer because that word has been so diluted. But if we say we're a follower or a disciple or a Christian, what are we really saying? We do act and talk like Jesus. Amen. Right? And so if we do act and talk like Jesus... Does that stop with the miracles and the power of God? Does that, is that something that we shouldn't do because Jesus did it? Is that something he could only do? Some might think so. Some might think that's, that supernatural empowers God's thing. And it is God's thing. But God likes to go through people. He likes to use people. And guess what? I got some good news for you. He likes to use anybody. And everybody. That would just simply believe. That's what's awesome tonight. He can use somebody tonight who's just got saved, who doesn't have any Bible knowledge at all. He can use somebody who has no talent in the world if they'll just believe. He can use them to do a miracle. Read it again. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing a few people who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How many did he heal? How many is all? Somebody give me the definition of all. Everybody. Minus nobody. Amen? Everybody minus nobody. All. So it's his will to heal all. And he went doing that, and he healed, and he gave liberty to those who were oppressed by the devil for what? God was with him. How many want God to just be with you everywhere you go? How many want to walk in that power of God? Well, some of you might still be thinking, yeah, that's Jesus. He's the man. Where does that bring me in? I'm glad you asked. But right before I show you, actually go ahead and go to Mark chapter 16 real quick. And while you do, I'm going to read a few verses 
that you can write down. I know that's tough. Go to Mark 16 and write at the same time. Some of y'all are talented enough to do it. As you're getting to Mark 16, Matthew 12, 15 says this, And when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's about 35 to 40 specific miracles. Okay, specific. Like the ones that were actually written out, for example, I'll give you one that everybody knows, where the woman pressed through the crowd with the issue of blood and got saved when she touched his, the mantle of his garment. How many remember that one? That's a specific one. There's many specific ones, 35 to 40, actually written out. And so some people say, man, that's quite a bit. That's a lot. But that's not even counting. That's just the ones they chose to use because it says in Matthew 12 and it said in Acts 10 that he was with a great multitude around him. That means a lot of people, right? How many would you consider a multitude? Lots? Lots. Thousands maybe. Could be hundreds. It's at least hundreds. There's a multitude of people around him. And the Bible says right here that he is going and this multitude is following him. And as he leaves this place, everybody goes with him. There was no getting away for Jesus. And they followed him. And it didn't say that as they followed him, he chose a select few people and healed them. It says he healed them all. So guess who's a candidate tonight for a miracle? Every one of us. Guess who can be healed tonight by Jesus? All of us. Guess who can't be healed by Jesus tonight? Nobody. Right? Am I reading the Bible? Are you reading the Bible? Are we seeing the same thing? Oh, but that was, the, that was in the Bible, man. That was Jesus. Matthew 14, 14. Don't go there. Stay, in, stay wherever I told you to go. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. This is two chapters later, different multitude. He was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. It's a lot of people. Luke 6, 19. One more. Just so you understand that he wants everybody healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. See, we know the story individually and specifically of the woman who pushed through and touched his garment. But this says everybody was trying to touch him. Poor Jesus. Amen? He probably could never get heavy. They walked anywhere anyways. But he couldn't, get, he, couldn't, he couldn't keep any food in. Amen? He was always being pressed. He's like, I got to eat real light because these crowds are killing me. They're always pressing on him. Everywhere he went. Amen? He had to eat light. He had to be light. He had to, he had to be ready to be pressed in with all these people. And it says they sought to touch him. I mean, know if there's about a hundred people or a couple hundred people or a thousand people trying to touch you from a distance. That's some, that's some major pushing going on. Okay? And all this is happening for the third time. Just giving you these three examples. And it says, for the power went out from him and healed them all. Amen? All. Now here's something really cool. Maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. Laying our hands on the sick is a powerful thing. The lady in the multitude of people got to his garment. He felt power go out. This time, if you read what I read, and this is pretty plain English, the Bible says they sought to touch him. There's no way everybody in the multitude can touch him at the same time. 
They're seeking to touch him. And power went out from him. From that place he was standing, power went out and went, every, went through everybody's body and healed them all. Amen? Can you imagine? They're like five or six rows out and they're trying to touch. And as they're touching their back's hurting or their knees hurting or they're in pain and all of a sudden it's gone and they're like I haven't even touched him yet and they look at the person next to him and the person next to him was blind and all of a sudden they're looking at him and the person next to him that was deaf is going hey what'd you say and everybody's just freaking out because they're thinking I haven't even touched him yet and I'm healed you don't even have to touch him you just have to believe the healing comes from believing in Jesus what did he say in 37? He said, if you believe, back in the, Luke, Luke 10, if you, or John 10, if you believe that I do these things, well, that, what's that got to do with me? Let's go to Mark 16 and I'll show you. This is, this is so awesome because Jesus says, here's how I'm going to spread the gospel. Here's how... And, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean again tonight, but this is, this is not how the gospel is being spread today. How many agree with that? The Bible way is not being done today. And that's why it's really not a solid, real, tangible gospel that's being preached because we're not doing it like they did back then. This, this thing right here that Jesus said to do has done, been done away with. And if you look at our vision up there, you'll see it's right here in Mark 16. And if you look in verse 15, he has risen from the dead. He has appeared to over 500 people. He is about to go up to heaven and he gives what they call, we call today, his famous last words. And his famous last words are these. He says to them, verse 15, go. Look at evangelism. Go. Into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. That's inside of the discipleship thing. Teaching them, growing them, getting them baptized, getting them understanding the word. And then look what he says. This is where the church is, and I mean this in general across the world, is missing out on what Jesus said was the formula to build the church. Y'all with me? I'm not going to take the time to go into all the things that church does that's not in the formula. I want to show you what Jesus said to do that we're not doing. And many churches not only are not doing them, they preach against it. They preach it's not for today. They preach it's for them. They, said, they say, well, that died with the apostles. And you show me a scripture in the Bible where it says it died with them and I'll believe you. It does not say that anywhere. Why would Jesus have this, this great commission given to just the first 12 and then allow it or want it to die down the road, he would, have, he would have never been able to reach the whole world. And because of this right here, this is where it got to us. And I'll even show you something and tell you something in a second where, where it almost died. Look at 16, 17, sorry. He says, these signs, what signs? Will follow those who what? Those who have church membership. Those who believe. In my name, 
In the name of what? Jesus. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. That's the gospel commission. To see miracles, to see signs, to see wonders. And let me tell you something. It, has, it was doing really good from the time of the apostles until probably, strongly, the mid-1950s, 1960s, 1970s began to die. Because even in the early 1900s, there was mass healing crusades all across the United States. Many of you know names. Names that had massive healing crusades. Massive, massive belief still in the fact that God still heals. And somewhere along the way, we decided to build, and again, when I say this, I mean just worldwide, generally, we just decided to build a church built upon man's words and man's charisma instead of God's power. Can you say amen? Look at the church today. Look at the TV today. Look at the, the, the preachers today. The multitudes, great preachers, great names. If those pastors don't show up to their church on a Sunday, their church is half empty. Maybe less. Because people go to hear a great preacher. They don't go to lift up the name of Jesus. And the church is built upon great preaching and eloquent speaking and certain colors of lights and fog machines and amazing music and professional musicians and all this different stuff that puts on a facade that Philippians talks about that is a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Because nobody gets healed. Nobody gets delivered. Nobody gets set free. Nobody's living a holy life. Nobody's doing a 180. Nobody's turning away from the way they used to be. They just grab a Christian coat and put it on and continue to live the same life they've lived forever and call themselves Christians. But God said in his word, when you meet me, Jesus, I'm going to change your life. And I ask you to take your cross and pick it up and deny yourself and follow me. And do what I told you to do, which is believe for signs and wonders and miracles. It doesn't have to be at church to happen. It can happen at work. It can happen at school. It can happen in the street. It can happen wherever you go, where you cast out demons, where you lay your hands on the sick, where you pray in the spirit, and God manifests his power. Amen. Luke chapter uh, 10. And as you go there, I'm going to read you one more verse as I close tonight, and I want to pray for some people. As you go to Luke 10, how many saw in that Mark 16 that every one of us has the, 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 the God-given commission to heal? Some will say, well, God gives people, if you read the gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healing. And some will say, well, God gives people gifts of speaking in tongues and gifts of interpretation. Those are things that are given to those who seek more of God. And you might be able to walk in a greater anointing. And you might be, have a stronger anointing in one of those gifts. You might have two gifts. You might have three gifts. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that those things are only for the people who have the gifts. 
Because Jesus' words came before Paul's order in the church telling the people about the gifts of the Holy It doesn't take away what Paul says, but Paul can't take away what Jesus said. Paul's taking what Jesus said and he's bringing order into the church and he's talking about certain things led by the Holy Spirit. But the bottom line is that God wants everybody to have a prayer language. God wants everybody to have the authority to cast out demons. God wants everybody to have the faith that they can lay their hands on the sick. Something's wrong with the church if you're at work and someone's sick and you have to say, come to my church on Sunday so my pastor can pray for you. I thank God that you have faith in my faith, but you can get them healed before they ever get to church. You can get them healed at work so they'll come to church. Because I don't know if you all have seen how much how great that works when you invite somebody. Y'all have seen how great that works, right? Okay. Okay. So it might be better instead of trying to get them to come in and have them get healed here, it might be better to get them healed there where even some other people see the healing And not only they come to church, but the person next to them comes to church because they're standing there watching the miracle. And they come into church to come give God glory because of the miracle you did at work. Trying to do it backwards. Jesus didn't say, hey, follow everybody, follow me into the synagogue and I'm going to do some miracles. He did some miracles in the synagogue for the Jews, but he was out with the people. He was out with the multitudes doing the miracles on the streets. And right as we read Luke Luke 10 to close, I want to remind you that this is what Paul said about us having this eloquent speech. Get to a place where you depend not on your words or even your knowledge of the Bible. Not that you don't have to have good words and not that you don't have to study the Bible. But get your eyes off of your words and your knowledge of the Bible, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. And he said, I don't depend on my speech and my preaching as if it were persuasive words of wisdom that could change someone's life. He says, but I depend on a demonstration of the spirit and power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Amen. Every single one of you tonight can be used by God for miracles, for signs and for wonders. And I want to show you one more thing before we pray for some people. I'm going to extend my faith tonight for anybody who might be sick, but I want you to see tonight that outside of this service, and even in here tonight as we're here, we can agree together. I want you to begin to believe that God has ordained you as a minister to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to walk in the power of God, to walk in the anointing of God. Because that verse we read back there said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth to do those signs and wonders so that his name would be glorified. But now let's look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 to close out. Let's see what Jesus says about us. And this is before. Now this is, this is what I want you to get. This is, this is where we see that what Jesus said in the Great Commission 
was not for those people, but for us. Y'all with me? Okay. The Great Commission, when he said go, he was making a statement for 2015. Because the authority that he gave to them that day that they would carry forward to us had already been given to them right here. In Luke chapter 10. He sends out 70 people. And the Bible says in verse 17, when the 70 returned, they returned with joy. They, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And watch this verse. You don't get anything else tonight. Watch this. He says, behold, I give you authority. Sorry, the authority. To do what? To trample on serpents and scorpions. Those are spiritual, not physical. Although you, that, you don't have to have Jesus in you to trample on a serpent. You can just put your foot down. He says spiritual demons. These spiritual serpents, spiritual scorpions. And over all, there we see that word again, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. He says, I, Jesus, give you my power in my name to trample on serpents and scorpions. He says, this, this, this thing about them, them, them bowing in your name, in my name, he says, that was given to, to you by me. And I want you to keep doing that. And that's really, church, if you, I'm going uh, to ask just Kristen tonight to come, if she would, and Desi or Carla, whoever wants to sing. But as, as they come, I want to ask you a question as we close tonight. If you're here and you're thinking about your walk with God and you're thinking, what, what can I do for the Lord? And the devil is putting something in your ear that says, you can't do that. That's for somebody else. He's got you right where he wants you. Because he doesn't want you to affect anybody else's life. And this is where I say it's not just in physical healing. Because if you are one time in your life a drug addict, God healed you and gave you power over that spirit in your life to be able to tell somebody, I have been healed and delivered by Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give glory to AA. I'm not going to give glory to NA. I'm not going to give glory to any group. Thank God that there's things that exist. But all the things that exist cannot take the place of the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he already defeated all those things on the cross. And all we have to do is put our faith in the cross and the faith in the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? How many know that song? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. A church should always be pointing up to Jesus. A church should always be saying, you got a need this morning? We've got an answer. You got a sickness? There's a healing. You need peace? 
he's here. He's in the building. And we say, in the name of Jesus, there's power to heal. I have seen in my life so many miracles. I've seen God do miraculous things. And, and we talk about the scriptures and we talk about these things. And then, and then in our own personal lives, we get a miracle. So that when we pray for somebody, we can pray with faith. That it's not just all this, man, my, my pastor told this story. Or I heard this story, but I saw the Lord. I saw God's hand move. Has anybody in this place, sitting in this place tonight, ever felt and had God's power heal your body? Just let me see your hand. Look at all the hands. That's testimony. And so if God did it once, He could do it again. If you're here and you've never been healed or never seen a miracle, you're in a good place. And the problem is, here's the reason why people stop praying for the sick. Because they're like, God, what if no one gets healed? That's the problem in itself. They're depending on themselves. I can't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. But Jesus already healed them. All we got to do is get them to look to Jesus. And then in His power and in His authority, do what the Bible says. Let me show you what the Bible says to do. We're going to do it right now. This is now that we're in the church. James chapter 5. He says, if anybody's sick among you, call the elders. Elder not being old. Elders being people who are seasoned in the faith. People who have a testimony. People who believe. And, and it, like I said, it has nothing to do with age. He says, anybody sick among you in verse 13? If anybody's suffering, let them pray. If anyone's cheerful, let them sing psalms. If anyone is sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, heal the sick. So oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we put oil on somebody and we just do what the Bible says. And then we let just God be God. Amen? We need more healings. We need more deliverance. We need more manifestation of God's power so that people can come and say, man, I didn't really even remember anything that dude said in that message, but I came in and I had a major, major migraine. But as he was preaching, something touched my head and I, my migraine is gone. I came in with some growth on my body and I don't really remember the songs they sang, but they prayed for the sick and I put my hand down just to see, you know, what, you know, just to see just for fun and it wasn't there anymore. That's what we need. A manifestation of the power of God. And here's the thing. I want to throw this out. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how somebody else feels. It's not about feelings. Because there's been many, many times that I have prayed for the sick being sick. It's not like someone like that. Well, I can't pray for nobody because I'm sick. I don't feel good. I remember for years in Costa Rica, I'd hear these people come up to the altars and they would say, Pastor, pray for me. And they would be crying and they'd say, God, Pastor, pray for me. I have gastritis. I didn't even know what gastritis was until I got it. 
until I got it. And I would pray for him. God would heal him. But a few years later, I got gastritis. I don't know, like, exactly what gastritis is. I just know it feels like a knife's going through your stomach to your back. And it's all the time. And it's bad. It's really horrible. And I got it. And I had it for a year or two. Carlo might remember. I don't know how long I had it. But I had it for a while. And so then, when people would come up and say, Pastor, pray for my gastritis. It was a whole another level of faith because now not only am I feeling their pain I have to believe for the healing of them while I'm sick and time and time again I would lay my hands on them and they would get healed and I'd go home and drink aloe vera for my stomach and be sick until one day when I wasn't even thinking about it and I was praying for somebody, my gastritis got healed. It, it's, so it doesn't matter. And the reason I said that is because my mom over there in a wheelchair has more faith, I promise you, than anybody in this building. And I'm not trying to minimize your faith. So some people would say, well, if she has so much faith, or if you're going to pray for the sick right now, how come she can't get up out that? She can get up out that wheelchair. She will get up out of that wheelchair. And she believes she can get up out there. But a lot of times you can have faith for somebody else much better than you can have faith for yourself. And so that's why we need each other. Like I'll pray for you and you pray for me and I'll believe for you and you believe for me because when you're in pain, it's kind of hard to believe for somebody else's pain to be gone. But when somebody else that's not in pain is believing for the pain you got, it's a lot easier. Amen? Y'all following me? So what I'm trying to say is, don't it, the, the obstacle to faith and healing is doubt. Why don't people get healed? Doubt. You want to try to put some other name on or label? Waste your time. Period. Doubt. So in a service like this, we read scriptures and we say, Jesus healed. Jesus wants to heal tonight. And Jesus can heal. And it's his will to heal. And if you walk out of here not healed, it's not because Jesus can't. It's because you doubt it. So we have to ask, like that one man said, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Amen?